Hello and welcome to another edition of Brotherly Love Eagles Podcast. Welcome! After a couple weeks off with our uh, bye week, we uh, kind of took some time off ourselves because we were running out of superlatives. So we finally had a little adversity there in the first half, but GT, I'm surprised there's no caca. We just beat, we just boat raced the Cowboys. You know, I'm, I'm well rested from my bye week. Uh, I'd like to apologize to America for having to sit through that game. But, you know, it was great for us as Eagles fans. Well, as our but, sister uh, said, it was a tale of two halves, to say the very least. Halves. We were in the rust zone in the first half. I almost threw my TV out the window. Yeah, we turned it around by sticking to the ground game, it seemed. The old uh, Ray Dinger trope. <laughs> 215 rush yards to a measly 168 pass yards. Uh, so balance and uh, balance and power in the running game. Well, I think that we'll, was the difference in the second half. We'll get into a little bit, but I had texted you that with Wentz especially, a hot QB, there's nothing worse for a hot QB than a bye week. Especially since he's always like posting to social media how much hunting he's doing. A lot of hunting, a lot of yeah. cousin Dave hunting. So that <laughs> that didn't help his film room study apparently. <laughs> no, Carson, get back in the film room. Get <laughs> or, out of the wilderness. Or maybe he was still in the film room, but not enough reps. Yeah, not enough reps. And you know, once you get into a regular season, just the game action is so different than just even taking a week off. I'm sure that you could see that in the first half. I thought maybe they were pressing both him and Prescott with with the you know. Big Sunday night matchup, all the hype of who's the better QB. That probably, I it seemed like both QBs in the first half were kind of forcing it after that great initial drive where you thought, okay, you know, just right where we left off, Kenyon Barner of all of all people made that great catch and then had the TD run, and then the rest of the half they stunk. Yeah, atrocious, <laughs> atrocious quarterback play. Even though at the end, at the end, Collinsworth was like, "These are two young stars." After after Dak through three picks and got strip sacked for a touchdown. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into we'll get into that. We might as well get into that right away. So, you know, we talked about Wentz a little bit already. So what did you think about his overall play? I mean, again, like the entire game, tale of two halves. It seemed like obviously he was rusty, right? He had that one throw to like Aguilar that could have been a touchdown that he McNabbed into Aguilar's feet. Like he he had some ball location issues and it just seemed like rhythmically the whole offense was off and the receivers weren't getting open. Ertz was terrible, so his best friend was was not in the zone. But true to form this season unlike Eagles teams in the past, whether it was a combination of Wentz or Peterson, they came out in the second half and started executing. So in the second half, he looked like the Carson Wentz we had seen over the preceding six to eight weeks. In the first half, he was atrocious. But I don't know how much of that was him versus the receivers not getting any separation. It seemed like no one was open. And he also, you know, was suffering from some some drops with, with the wide receivers that Collinsworth pointed out. Uh, Collinsworth had said there was three drops. There was definitely the one that was atrocious. The Torrey Smith one. Yeah. And then yeah. Ertz was awful all game. So I definitely think that hamstring is still bothering him because it's unlike Ertz to never get open all game. And then right. even on that two-point conversion where all he has to do is get across the GD goal line, he lazily gets, <laughs> yeah. gets strip-sacked. Or like not strip-sacked, but gets stripped. Yeah. You know, what all he has to do is cross the goal line, just like fall forward. You're already at the end zone. We also, Car- Carson needs to work on his sliding technique he had one slide the whole game and he almost tore his acl on the turf what was he doing well let's get to the biggest moment of the game where every eagles fan almost had a heart attack oh when he concussed himself yes yeah yeah, yeah. I was because like, oh, we've been waiting for neck. the concussion all year and knock on wood he still hasn't had it he had to go into the 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 sketchy blue tent 
after he gets double knocked out on his way down. After Jake Elliott concusses himself out of the game. Yeah, on the very first play. <laughs> so he had to go to the, the tent. Everybody's freaking out. And then when... I think it was Michelle DeFoya said, "Oh, he everybody says he's okay." Yeah, no, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he had like a stage 5 concussion <laughs> and we just put him back in anyway. It's like Brady in the Super Bowl. No, he once really they suffered. once they take him off, they, you know, they're pretty legit about that. So he, he yeah. must have been fine, but that was that was definitely skip a, skip a beat moment there for every Eagles fan. By the way, like losing Jake Elliott was just like the supreme illustration of the NFL as a role should just outlaw place kicking. So entertaining watching two point conversions all night. And it, there must be some sort of I was I was thinking about this like as like an offense just to know that you're always going to have four downs and just to, you know, you kind of play with less, especially once you get into like the 35 and in, you're just yeah. like, well, it's always going to, we're always going for it. It's third and fourth down become the same down yeah. from a schematic standpoint. Absolutely. Like so, in, in our fourth and five, we had the fourth and five was at the touchdown pass to Jeffrey where he made that. Yeah, that was Finally made down. a great catch. Yeah, that yeah. was an unbelievable catch. Yeah, no. So obviously we should go to universal outlawing of place kicking. That Except would, um, unless it's a sixty-one yarder, <laughs> that would be interesting if that was ever <laughs> was ever in the competition committee. But no, it definitely it definitely made for a spicier game in the second half. That's for sure. And were we three for four on PATs? I was trying to keep track of it. Oh, on two we point were... conversions. Yeah, yeah, the only one we didn't get was Ertz being a lazy <laughs> bum. Yeah, that's right. Ertz <laughs> bumming it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I I had down for Wentz first half rust, second half stub because he also made a bunch of plays where he extended the play. It was it was the the Wentz that we've come to know and love. But I definitely I feel like Sunday night against the Cowboys, he was definitely forcing it with the rust. It was just the perfect and then the wide receivers not getting open is the perfect combination of to have that mediocre to less than well, actually just bad first half. It was frustrating too because Dallas is, is a pretty it's a bad defense. They're a bottom third defense. Even though I've had to listen to all all week about how Sean Lee is junior say out, which I don't buy at all. Uh, they're the 22nd ranked DVOA defense coming into the game. So I was ex- I was expecting a little more steam rolling in the first half, so I was getting sweaty and frustrated, but we were able to turn it around. No, Sean Lee, as much as I hate the Cowboys, Sean Lee's pretty legit. He's a great linebacker. Problem is he gets hurt every year. Can, yeah, the he's like Jordan can, Hicks. Yeah, Hicks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually probably <laughs> they're the same player. Yeah, you have your Lee. I see you, Sean Jordan Hicks. Again, did we play great? No, but we yeah. still boat race the Cowboys. And yes, the as my buddy who keeps making fun of me to say that the Eagles haven't beat anybody good, and was saying that this is not the same Cowboys team with Zeke Elliott out with. Tyron Smith, their starting left tackle out. And that's all well and good with Sean Lee out, of course. But it was a must-win game for them. And they're up 9-7 at halftime. And the Eagles just come out and just just destroy them. And it, it's, a, it's a great testimonial to how good the coaching staff for the Eagles has been this year. Because we lose our all-pro all left tackle. And we're able to manage through it schematically. You know, Collinsworth, I think, did a good job of, of showing how our offensive line works as an ensemble with all those like pulling plays. And they've been able to work by tie in and improve them every week um, versus Jason Garrett and the Cowboys where they lose their left tackle and, and Derek Barnett looked like Reggie white the whole, the whole game. So um, it, it's just, it just also just throws in the stark relief how much better the Eagles coaching staff has been this year than the Cowboys coaching staff. 
Well, you saw that with the halftime adjustments. Well, not only that, but just in general, managing through, like, we lose a key linebacker and a key left tackle, and we're still 9-1 and versus the Cowboys who are imploding. No, I know, but I'm just saying whether it's the micro or the macro example, they go in as, you know, the Cowboys are moving the ball, the bend don't break defense, but nothing great coming out of the offense, down 9-7, we blew the INT, I, and I was really mad at Jake Elliott, but he was concussed when he kicked it. So I'll, I'll give him. <laughs> he I'll thought give him it a was pass. In. I'll he give him a pass. Yeah. <laughs> then the halftime adjustments, you know, then that was way back in the day. You don't remember this, but that's what we used to always say about uh, Joe Gibbs versus Buddy Ryan is that Joe Gibbs would just just totally outcoach him with halftime adjustments to come out in the second half, and then it would be totally different teams, and we would get, you know, killed in the second half by the Redskins. And that totally reminded me of this where we came out in the second half and looked like a different team. Yeah, and even with the, you know, obviously Dak struggled mightily because his offensive line is struggling. They've been forced to be more one-dimensional. But interestingly, the Cowboys still had 112 rush yards, and they seem to have decent success with Morris, especially in the second half, like reestablishing the run game. But it almost seemed like Schwartz was willing to concede that because they became super predictable on their play action selections, I guess. Like when they decided to do it, it felt like the Eagles defense was completely prepared for it. So, so even though they had success running the ball, it, it wasn't a factor in the passing game. Yeah, I would say when we get into some of the negatives, I was I had written down Eagles run defense. Yeah. You know, it didn't it didn't hurt them in the end, but this was the first time a team had, you know, throughout the game when it still mattered, giving up big chunks. It was almost like and I, I'm I don't know for sure, and you know, Cosell will tell us this week on Eagle Eye in the Sky. But it was almost like the Eagles stayed in like a nickel or a dime the whole game and just relied on their, you know, their base personnel up front to to stop the run. And that left us a little vulnerable on on big run plays, but it also made us, you know, short us up on play action. But I could be completely wrong because I don't understand any of that stuff. Well, we didn't blitz much. There was that one play where I can remember with them bringing the house and there was great coverage. I, th- I think it was against Rock. It was it was against Des Bryant, but it wasn't yeah, Darby on that he play. He missed Des, yeah. I think yeah. it was Patrick Robinson, but I think Robinson yeah. had really good had really good defense. So they didn't blitz that much. So that would make sense. And they've said about the Cowboys this year, Collinsworth even said is, you know, you can, you can say their, their pass defense, their, I mean, their pass blocking hasn't been as good this year, but definitely their still run, run blocking has still been top notch. So yeah. yeah. And it was good. It was good to see, like we paid Jernigan $400 million and he was still a beast tonight. Him and him and Cox were just eating up the middle of the line the whole night. Yeah. From what you read about Jernigan, he doesn't seem like the guy who's going to start getting lazy now that he's got a big paycheck. Right. It's still early and the, the Cowboys definitely without Elliott are a different team, but I think this is showing in the second year, I'd rather take Wentz over Prescott at this point. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. That was, I was going to lead into that point, but to Prescott's, I guess, credit again, it felt like Dallas's O-line still struggled in pass protection against our D-line, which is best in class. But yeah, I think Wentz could still make more of a game of it than, than Prescott could tonight without like a dominant running game. So it's like, he's finally, you get, you get the reveal of what he looks like in a more typical NFL situation. Yeah. He definitely needs the run game to make him look great for sure. Right. And there was a couple, there was a couple of passes where he just missed guys that were open for first downs. Yeah. He, he struggled on like basic out 
out route throws where he was like throwing it into people's feet or that one play he tried to throw it to Beasley and just threw it 40 yards over his head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the like, one specifically I'm bad. thinking of. Yeah. So yeah, he, he was on the struggle bus, but he might've been mildly concussed the whole night as well. So what was your uh, Ray did injure impact play of the game? So uh, I think mine was pretty easy. So it's our first drive. Yeah. We get the ball opening the second half. It's third and two. We're on our own 34-yard line. It was third and, and less than one. I have the same play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we throw the misdirection screen to Brent Selleck that took 47 minutes to develop. And I, th- I thought Wentz had almost thrown an interception to the DN. But that was a 28-yarder that we ripped off. And it felt like that totally broke us out of the, the doldrums we were in offensively in, in the late first half. So kudos to... Peterson for kind of gambling a little bit on that play call, but also Wentz executing it really well. Well, you could just tell that they all pointed to the sideline, like Brent Selleck, who caught the ball, caught the catch. He he pointed to the sideline. Wentz pointed to the sideline. So they were all excited about that play and gl- and were glad that the coaching staff let them call that play. It just seemed like holy gree, just got them out of the funk because they were Which, all excited yeah. about it and then and then that was when things really started to change and they score on that next possession go up 15-9 and never look back it's no it's no fun when we agree i know well that it was just so clear it's like you could define the entire game before and after that play yeah yeah that's when the tail two has like we said that's when it you know momentum clearly shifted and and like we said the eagles never look back so then let's get into since it was a win and it's <laughs> we didn't have a podcast during the bye week why didn't we have a a podcast during the bye week because there was nothing left to say because everybody was just so positive about the Eagles, which is a great thing. But mm-hmm. it wasn't like we we're going to have like a first, you know, nine game assessment of a team that was eight and one. It's like there's nothing bad to say about this team right now. Well, well, that and yeah, honestly, at this point, I'm not even thinking this this week was different because we had the Cowboys on Sunday night. But I'm not even thinking about like the schedule. I'm kind of like zooming out and thinking about. Who do we have to go through in the playoffs in the NFC? And today we, we saw that the Rams are a little bit vulnerable and that maybe Minnesota is better than people are thinking They're with their pretty formidable defense and their offense, which I think continues to surprise people. And I also I felt like I got a sense of New Orleans, who almost lost to Washington, or uh, almost lost to Washington and then miraculously pulled it out. So it's almost like New Orleans isn't as good as I thought and Minnesota's better than I thought. So it, it was good to see at least like New Orleans play against our level of competition where we, we probably better handled the Redskins than they did. Well, it's funny you should say that, and I want to get this as we close the show. Instead of having ridiculously early season predictions, I'm turning into biggest threats to our Super Bowl dream. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we get into that even further, what were your, your biggest surprises, your pleasant surprises of, of this game? Uh, so I had uh, first one I wrote down for the game was Derek Barnett, and I know he was kind of going against uh, like a backup left tackle. Tyron Smith wasn't in, but he just seems to actually fulfill his promise more and more every week. And he obviously had the strip strip sack fumble that Bradham picked up and scored the touchdown on. So it's good to see finally, for once, uh, an Eagles first round pick be be productive in their first year. Obviously, like Aguilar's kind of turning it around, but I had Derek Barnett. Not maybe it's not like a pleasant surprise, but he kind of keeps improving week to week, which is great to see. No, I definitely had him down ever since the Carolina game. He's just and usually defensive end don't see them dramatically make an impact their rookie season. It's a lot like right. wide receiver. You see it like second, third year. So this is first year. This is at least like his fourth game in a row that we've talked about how great he's been playing. 
So yeah, it was a diff- it was a backup left tackle. We we totally admit that, but he was dominant all game. So it's he's still doing it against NFL competition against a big rival, and so he had the strip sack, and then he was just all over. He was just all over the field on every play. So I totally agree with you that it's just I mean it's amazing to think we actually have a. A first-round defensive stud. <laughs> Probably hasn't been since Brandon Graham, and even Brandon Graham, the first couple of years, we thought he was going to be a bust. Right. And what's interesting is um, the knock on Barnett coming out of the draft is they, they kept saying how he wasn't explosive, that he was kind of like a, almost like a technique guy, or he was like wily, and that's how he was productive at Tennessee. So you, it, it, to your point even more, it was kind of thought of as it's going to take a few years for him to kind of learn how to you know, bend an NFL tackle. He seems more explosive than they were giving him credit for because he, he was basically just beating that left tackle around the edge all night and getting outside leverage. Yeah, so I think that's definitely, and I, I had down definitely not only the secondary who's been a revelation all year, but the return of Darby. He picked Didn't up. Didn't miss a beat, yeah. Yeah, it just picked up right where we thought he was going to be as the number one corner, and people were worried about like his game conditioning, and he pretty much shut down Des Bryant all night. This is what's flabbergasting about this Eagles team. It's like we go into Dallas this like on Sunday night and it's a game we should win handily, and we actually win it handily. We have like a corner come back who everyone is hoping is going to perform at a high level, and he actually does. It's like, it never happens when you're an Eagles fan that, like, what should happen actually happens. But yet, like, in this game and over the, la- over the course of the whole season, it seems like we've held on to leads, we beat teams we're supposed to beat, like, we can fall behind and actually adjust and come back. I, I just don't, don't understand how to live in this world. Not only do we win big, we win big when we don't play well. Right. Like, we, we basically took, you know, our licks from Dallas in the first half, and we were down only, like, two points, and then we just came out and boat raced them in the second half. Yeah, Chris Consler even said something, or maybe it was Al Michaels. Well, and they each said something a couple times, like, <laughs> Philadelphia does, doesn't believe what they're seeing. It's true. No, one, no, no, we don't. It's like it, the, we try to be negative all the time, and yet this team doesn't let us be negative. We don't know what to do with ourselves. And, and also, I know I'm kind of circling back to this point. I think another big difference between Dak and Wentz is, is if you look, you know, at like their stat lines, you know, since they've come into the league, you know, Brass, Prescott has better like accuracy numbers and like better passer rating numbers, and, you know, like over the first 25 games or whatever. But he takes like everything underneath. He's like not aggressive. He doesn't make explosive plays. Whereas Wentz, he like probably will never be a guy who's high in like the completion percentage category, but that's because he's super aggressive and takes like big shots and makes explosive plays. Yet another reason why I take Wentz over Prescott. He definitely has more of the gunslinger mentality, and that uh, that's always you you can always see that. But I still love the fact that when he makes a bad play, he still gets really pissed off at himself. And Eagles fans, every time he does that, they love him more and more. Offensive line. You know, they were just fantastic tonight. You know, Wentz had all day, you know, especially in the first half. Even when we've, he wasn't finding guys, it wasn't the offensive line's fault. They were they were giving him all day, literally all day. You know, and Vitae continues to not miss a beat, which is very encouraging as as we move forward with this, you know, you know dream season. And then, of course, as I had mentioned earlier, coaching staff with halftime adjustments. You know, you have to give them credit for, you know, you had texted me, we need to run the ball more. And, you know, it sounds so simple, but, you know, Andy Reid, we always saw him just be stubborn and mm-hmm. not make any real adjustments or, 
you know, I'm not running the ball. And they're like, yeah, let's let's try that. Let's try running the ball. Wentz is not having a great game. Our wide receivers aren't getting open. And that definitely yeah. opened up that opened up the second half. It was just, you know, ground and pound. They had three guys with over 50 yards. Like Kenyon Barter had that amazing catch in the first half. I know it's on a running play, but you know, our fourth string running back is making plays on the first drive of the game. It's just, you know, and your boy Wendell Smallwood was inactive tonight. So, <laughs> you know, so while they don't, I, I think Collinsworth does have a good point. There's not that wide receiver, not wide receiver, that running back, you know, passing threat. You know, if if they can continue to just keep doing this, it, I don't think it's going to matter. What's impressive, I think, about Peterson also and, and the whole staff is, but especially Peterson, it seems to be like he has a very, he's like a clear thinker under fire. And he just kind of makes those, you know, it's like you said, it seems obvious, but it's just like he, he doesn't get wound up by his own philosophy. And also, I think it's, it's impressive that, you know, if you had this many good running backs to work with, that you could kind of get overwhelmed by having that much to play around with. But it seems like Peterson knows when to insert people at the right time. And even on that, that first drive where we had the fade route to Barner, feels like Peterson finds ways to, you know, insert running backs in certain situations where the defense either is not used to seeing them or they disguise it in a certain personnel grouping. Like, I'm sure no one on the Cowboys defense was expecting a wheel route to Kenyon Barner, right? So he he does a good way of he has a good way of being inventive in that respect. And that was the knock on JHI when they brought him over is that he was complaining about not getting the ball enough. But then you insert him into a locker room where everybody's having a great time. You know the the defensive line by committee. You know they'll take out the entire starting lineup. Same thing with the running backs. Coaching staff has done a good job of saying, "Wouldn't you want to be fresh at the end of the year so you're not so banged up?" You right. Know, they've really taken this philosophy of you know not only next man up, but it's like this will keep you fresh for the end of the year. This will keep you fresh for our Super Bowl run, so that. Everybody's participating. Everybody feels like they're a part of this team. In the new NFL, this is the better way of doing it, is that guys are fresh. You convince them that this is better for their long-term health. And if you're winning, I think guys are really going to buy into that. So that's all I have for the positives. I was going to get into the negatives, but, you know, we just boat race the Cowboys. There's not really too much to be negative about. I think let's let's spend the last couple minutes talking about biggest threats to our Super Bowl dream. So at, at this point, the Rams had the, the best the best DVOA defense going into this week, and they proved themselves to be vulnerable against you know, a decent Minnesota offense, but probably a middling Minnesota offense. I don't have their numbers in front of me. So I'm a little less concerned about the Rams. They were kind of the specter, I think, hanging over our, our run to the Super Bowl. But now I'm a little, I'm kind of just like equally nervous about the Vikings, the Rams, and probably to a lesser degree, the Saints. But the Saints, as Dinger pointed out, have a good defense for once, and they have Drew Brees. So they're considerable also. So I think I, I kind of have like equal dread for all three teams. But at the same time, I think we could soundly beat any of those teams if we execute at a high level and we're at home. Well, Diddy had said that they also have a strong run game, which they do. The Saints I'm talking about. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which is I would say the of those three teams, which one would scare me the most at this moment in time? It would be the Saints. Just because, like you said, they have Drew Brees. And that always makes me nervous when you have a wily veteran in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, I think I think the Case Keenum experiment probably withers away in the playoffs. Against a great defense. Get, yeah. if, if the Eagles defense continues to play like they do, I don't see Case Keenum coming into Philadelphia or even us going to Minnesota and beating us. I, you know, would I want to go to Minnesota? No, I'd rather have that game be in Philadelphia. But, 
if that game's in Philadelphia, give me Case Keenum all day. I will take that a million times over. Yeah. So uh, those are the teams that right now at this moment, you know, you feel like Seattle now with Chancellor gone for the year. I just don't see it anymore. And Richard Sherman gone. Well, yeah, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's a great player, but, you know, it seems like Earl Thomas, Michael Bennett, Cam Chancellor, those are the guys. And then, uh, you know, those are the guys that, you know, on that defense that are just the ones that are the true, you know, players that really, if you lose any of them. And so when Chancellor and Ian Thomas has been hurt this year, those are the guys that then it's hard. They still have Russell Wilson, but I'm just, yeah, I, I think right now, you know, we can say this, we, this is going to be a new segment week to week. I think we can cross them off for now. Then, you know, the Saints, they, they seem to be legit. And this was the kind of win that, is is something where they just have more confidence now. Thanks you, thank you, Redskins for blowing it because you know <laughs> you think I mean it helps us because the division race is pretty much over. But now we're thinking about you know one two seed and getting a bye. Yeah, and it, well, I think and also so yeah, I think the difference is I, I think I think your read on that is right with like Minnesota and then even the Rams, right? You have Goff and Keenum. I feel like they're the exact type of quarterback that our defense can can victimize because like they're not mobile threats. Right. And if we, we saw it this week in with the Rams playing Minnesota, you know, like Goff is vulnerable to a good game plan. Whereas like Wentz and Breeze, I think are the kinds of players who can overcome a good defensive game plan. And the thing I feel like Goff is I haven't seen him in cold weather and he doesn't have that arm. He doesn't have that arm strength that he can do the things in cold weather that a Wentz can do. And these guys or a Prescott or any of these young guys with these great arms. I just don't see that coming out of golf. And that's, I want to see him in cold conditions because it seems like every week he's either playing in somewhere warm or somewhere inside. So I, the, I guess the one game was the Giants game and they put up 50 points. I, but wasn't that unseasonably war? I can't remember. So maybe the Giants game would counteract what I have to say. But I just, cold, I want to see him in cold and, you know, where, you know, it's those bitter elements where you really need to to have that arm strength to make some of those throws. And I'm just not sure Goff has it. Yeah, and he's a bit sleepy. He's not fiery. <laughs> he's got a cutler streak in him. Yeah, he's definitely a cutler streak. He seems much more engaged this year, you know, so that that could be the, you know, your your uh, coach that you love, Sean McVay. It could be a lot to do with that, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But out of the NFC, those are the teams right now that scare us the most. And then, of course, the, the team. Yeah, that's good to, that's to say. I'm not that worried about the Steelers. I, I don't. I still am not convinced that Mike Tom- Mike Tomlin's like a, he's a good coach. I mean, he's a good coach, I think, but he's not a great coach by any stretch. And That's they have- a, like a highly flawed Steelers team for as much credence as they get. And Roethlisberger is definitely shown some thankful burger. He's shown some uh, chinks <laughs> in the armor this season. Yeah. But you know, I feel like it would be poetic justice that if the Eagles do somehow make the Super Bowl this year. That would have to be against New England or, or Pittsburgh. Yeah, if you if you're the NFC team that makes it to the Super Bowl, expect to see the Patriots and expect to lose to the Patriots, and you won't be disappointed. <laughs> no, you have to take down. You got to take down the champs. You got to take down the, the dynasty. So, I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like as as mildly nervous as I am about the contenders in the NFC, I'm like ten to a hundred thousand times more nervous about playing the Patriots if we make it. That would be a great place to be, though. Oh yeah. Well, with that, we will uh, check in on Wednesday. We'll, I think it's time to bring Mom back on since she's been a celebrated uh, addition to the Burley Love Eagles <laughs> podcast. Uh, but until then, uh, rate us on iTunes, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks.